seeing is believing is a universal cliche that works in virtually every situation and circumstance you can ever imagine, but not this morning. Because even those closest to Jesus uh, that anticipated what was about to happen, when it finally happened, couldn't imagine the reality, this extraordinary moment in time and history. And so we've been talking here for the last few weeks about how when Jesus moves in our lives as, as a rabbi, as a messiah, he brings the extraordinary into the ordinary. Well, this epitomizes that truth. And so we have already read one of the gospel stories surrounding the uh, resurrection math from the Gospel of Matthew. But we're going to read uh, from Mark's Gospel now. And what you'll find, this Gospel, unlike the other three, highlights the challenge of seeing is believing. Because for the first gals and guys that were confronted with the reality of the resurrection, they found it difficult to believe. And so what we'd like to do is read Mark chapter 16, 1 to 16. And if you haven't figured out by now, what we do here is we stand to face the middle of the room for the reading of God's word. Since we believe scripture is central to who we are as a church, it hopefully, prayerfully is central to who we are as followers of Jesus. And so this is Mark 16, 1 to 16. Tiffany Loosely, thanks again for doing double duty for us. Tiff, when you're ready, go ahead and read. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went out and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. Afterward, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Thanks so much, Tiffany, for reading for us. And you can have a seat. I don't know about you, but no matter how many times I hear this story, it's, it's an unbelievable story. It's extraordinary. And, and listen, parents and grandparents, by the way, there is no greater story to tell your kids and grandkids than the story of Jesus coming back to life. Also, there's no more challenging story uh, to tell your kids or grandkids about Jesus coming back to life. Because what any child knows early in life is dead people stay dead. It doesn't reverse. But what would be fun, maybe you can do it today or sometime this week while the story's still, still fresh, is have one of your young kids attempt to tell the resurrection story sometime. And see what their imagination, how their imagination merges with the actual biblical account and see what their interesting version might be. 
Um, it's fascinating when you hear kids tell Bible stories. And we're in grandparent mode right now at our house, so we hear it now more and more often. It's pretty cool. But a church uh, recently put together the, uh, the story of Easter from the perceptions of little children and their understanding of what they'd heard of the story. And then they, they asked the adults of the congregation to act out what the children narrated. I think you'll find this fascinating. Take a look. <laughs> After Jesus died, they put Jesus in a tomb and wrapped him with some white paper. They put a big stone around it and placed guards in front of the tomb to let nobody go in. He was just waiting for the three days. He's probably drinking soda while eating hot Tito's. <laughs> he would probably play games like Candyland and then have a party by himself. <laughs> the Easter Bunny was hiding behind a tree. <laughs> He probably went out there and just throw eggs everywhere. And then he's gonna say, there's one money egg, so you better find it. You need to get some money. <laughs> Three days later, there was a big earthquake. <laughs> I think we should go away somewhere safe. It's like, I'm getting out of here. The earth is shaking, run for your lives. <laughs> and the guards ran off because they got scared. And then on Sunday, Mary and some of her friends came with some spices. But when they got there, the tomb was empty. His clothes only was there. Then an angel came and said, don't be afraid. Jesus has risen from the dead. Go tell the, go tell everyone, go tell the good news. Mary and her friends went and told the disciples she said, Jesus has risen from the dead. Guys, guys, Jesus has risen from the dead. And the disciples didn't believe them. No, that couldn't happen. Jesus can't raise from the dead. Uh, I don't believe it until I see it. But all of a sudden, Jesus, Jesus came, just was there. I am Jesus. I am the I'm the I am the son of the Lord God. And I am Jesus, your friend. And then the disciples said, Jesus, it's you! Yay! Jesus is alive! Totes cool. Jesus, before he left to heaven, he said, I have done what I have came to done. Do. And then he risen, then he was going up to heaven. His disciples were crowded around him. The disciples said, holy guacamole. I can't believe Jesus really flew. That's awesome. Now what? Let's go tell the news. Now I hope that, that 
video puts some childlike astonishment in you because I think that may have been why the disciples and the gals at the tomb couldn't quite comprehend what was going on. And I'd also like to believe, and don't ask me to quote chapter and verse, that even the angels themselves realized they were such a part of a magnificent story that they might have been tongue-tied. He is Rosen, maybe, is what they said. But there is a reality to this story. And the disciples were amazed and bewildered because struggling and telling the details of this story had to be the most extraordinary story ever. And not only was Jesus resurrected, but he who claimed to be God in human form had just redeemed the entire human race and altered eternities forever for those who believe in him. And in this story, the extraordinariness of the resurrection just obliterated the ordinariness of death. And that's why we're drawn to this place this morning. And the ordinary folks, the men and women that followed Jesus, were dazed and confused, bewildered and astonished, perhaps, as they tried to put the pieces together, this story. Now, Matthew, Luke, and John's accounts are more orderly. They're more progressive. Mark simply, it's, Mark's gospel is called the urgent gospel to begin with. But there's a lack of order and a breathlessness to how he tells the details of the story. And, and they run over the top of each other. Three women first visit the tomb, find it empty, and walk away, trembling, bewildered, and afraid. And then three women hurry to tell the others, and the others refuse to believe it because it's so extraordinary. And then later, two disciples meet Jesus face to face while they're on a hike, and when they report it to the other disciples, the disciples don't believe it still. And finally, Jesus shows up and rebukes the disciples for not believing. And he'd been teaching them for weeks about what was exactly about to happen. And yet they couldn't believe it. So extraordinary it was. Seeing was not believing, initially at least, since believing Jesus had come back to life would imply accepting the most extraordinary fact in all of human history. That's how significant this day is. Death could be overcome. Pain could be reversed. Sorrow could be transformed to joy. And there's a life beyond this life that is ours for the asking because of what Jesus has done. And understand this, the story of Christianity would be much simpler to explain to people that don't understand it or refuse to understand it if we didn't have to explain the reality of this resurrection. If the founder of the movement, this world religion called Jesus, had remained in the grave, he would have been just like every other world religion founder. End of story. But Jesus didn't remain dead. He came back from the dead. And it's what sets followers of Jesus apart from every other world religion. Other religions may claim to be of equal status, but not one of them can make the claim, the belief, that the founder physically came back to life. And that is, my friends, uniquely our story. He wasn't resuscitated or rescued from the tomb. Those two stories would have been good stories. Um, but not eternity-altering or a story people would ultimately give their lives for. And there were other messianic movements in the first century. This was not the first, nor would it be the last person who claimed to be the Messiah of the Jews. But in virtually every other situation, the would-be Messiah would be crucified by Rome, just as Jesus was. But in no instance, other instance in that first century of Roman history, do you ever read of the slightest mention 
of some messianic wannabe that claimed he would be raised from the dead or followers who claimed their savior had been raised from the dead. They knew better. They knew better. But holy guacamole, Jesus rose from the dead. So rising, or he rose from the dead. You know, comedian Ken, Miedema, Ken Davis sorry, writes a great story about a woman who looked out of her window one day and saw her German shepherd shaking the life out of a neighbor's rabbit. Um, the families, the neighbors didn't get along in the first place together, and so she realized this was about to become a disaster. So uh, she grabbed a broom uh, and went outside and began pummeling the dog until it dropped this extremely dirty, extremely dead rabbit out of its mouth. And she panicked. What would you do? Well, what she decided to do is she grabbed the rabbit and took it inside and gave it a bath. Um, Blow-dried it to its original fluffiness and they combed it until the rabbit actually looked fairly presentable. Uh, she snuck into her neighbor's backyard and propped the rabbit back up in the rabbit hutch. Only a short time later, she heard screams from her neighbor coming from next door. And like any good neighbor would do, she went outside and asked, what's going on? To which her neighbor responded, a rabbit, a rabbit. He died two weeks ago. We buried him and now he's back. Here's what we know about rabbits. When rabbits are dead, they stay dead. And before this moment, 2,000 years ago, when people are dead, they stay dead. But no longer, no longer. The angel at the empty tomb had to reassure the women, he's not here, he's risen. Look, here's the place where he lay. But go tell the disciples. And so the women leave uh, trembling and bewildered, not because of lack of faith or disbelief. They can't believe it because the story's so incredible. Seeing was almost believing, but it was too good to be true. And it's fascinating because every one of us this morning, whether you realize it, figuratively speaking, has come back to the empty tomb. We're drawn here like clockwork about this time every year because we believe there's something different about this Sunday. And we're drawn to the reality of life after death. And yet, let's be honest. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not ready to see and believe. You're not even close. And honestly, we want to Honor your journey this morning. You may have disbelief. You may have doubt. You may have come here before and the story's let you down. You're a cynic at this point because you know too much and you know too many people that claim to see and believe. Well, my prayer is that you'd see the evidence of the resurrection in the stories that you've just heard. The many accounts that to this day have been unable to be refuted. My prayer is that you would see in the lives of many of the people that have seen and believe the reality of Jesus. This extraordinariness that's entered their ordinariness, their approach to the end of life and beyond. 
in my prayers, you'd see the evidence of the resurrection in those people you know. Because we come back to this empty tomb now through the eyes of 2,000 years of history. We come to and see and believe through the eyes of faith. We see and believe through the lives of others. We see and believe by recalling those who raised us up, told us this story, shaped our lives, our faith, the way we approach the future and eternity. And we're in good company. If it takes us a while to believe the story is a story we, we want to devote our lives to, we're in good company. Not everyone sees and believes in the first moment. Let me tell you the story of a young man who was on the periphery of this story of Jesus and even his crucifixion and resurrection. For him, for him, seeing was not believing. He was a religious man. He was a brilliant man. He had extensive religious training at the feet of one of the most brilliant scholars, one of the most brilliant rabbis in the entire first century. But he didn't see and believe. Instead, his passion, while for God, was to stamp out this movement before it got any farther. He believed the story of Jesus, the person of Jesus, was a lie. He saw the resurrection from a distance, but he wasn't going to believe it. And a short time after the resurrection, this young man, a fellow named Saul, was on a road one day. He had already committed to destroy the church. He was threatening to kill and persecute more and more believers and drag them out of their homes. But then he saw Jesus, and he believed. Actually, he saw a bright light on this road and, and heard the voice of Jesus, if you want to be technical about it. In his case, hearing was believing. And he did a U-turn that you had to see to believe. And for the rest of his life, Saul, who then became Paul, devoted himself to the very cause he intended to destroy. Because one day... One day, he saw Jesus and believed. There's another young man who about 40 years ago was an investigative reporter for the Chicago Tribune. He was an award-winning talent in that newspaper and in the region. He was living the dream. He was also an atheist, as was his wife. And then one day through an invitation of a friend, his wife was invited to a church. Heaven forbid, they'd talked about this already. And over the next few weeks, she went back and back again. And you won't believe this, but this young atheistic woman saw and believed. She invited Christ to be part of her life, to be Lord and Savior. And it began to disrupt their marriage because there was no room for a third party in that household. And so upset was this young man that he began to investigate with the same intensity and the same scrutiny that he'd investigated other local issues for the Chicago Tribune. He was bound and determined to prove Christianity a falsehood. And whatever it took, he was going to prove it to his wife and the people around him. Well, in particular, his study of the resurrection galled him. A ridiculous story, a lie perpetrated by wishful thinking. 
But the deeper he dug into the realities and truth behind the resurrection, the more he realized he couldn't refute it. And he couldn't refute it. And after months of research, biased research, if you will, he came to the conclusion that the resurrection cannot be refuted. And he told his wife, I've run out of reasons. And so Lee Strobel, who eventually takes that research to write a book called The Case for Christ, he, in the presence of his wife, prays that prayer. After months of research, as a cynic, as an atheist, he saw and believed. And oh, by the way, his story is playing right now down the street at the movie theater, The Case for Christ. You want to see a great story of someone for whom belief did not happen instantaneously. It's an amazing story. And if you haven't heard the story or seen it, I'd highly encourage you to do it. See, seeing and believing takes a variety of forms, and you may not be ready yet, but all the time God, through his Spirit, is drawing us to this awareness and understanding of the truth. We had two memorial services here last Monday. Um, two very different men. Uh, Dave Funky, who many of you knew and loved, and Sheldon Slagle as well. You couldn't find two different dudes, two different personalities, two different backgrounds, two different approaches to faith than those two guys. Sheldon believed he was called to be a preacher at age three. Try that one on for size. Parents, next time your three-year-old tells you, hey, what, this is what I want to do. And he did. He served God for a lifetime. He traveled internationally speaking and do, uh, leading healing services. He was an effervescent personality. If you knew him, you were going to listen to a corny joke. But he was a godly man. And then Dave Funky, uh, there's an excellent chance some of you bought furniture from Dave. You know, Dave grew up locally. He sold furniture for over 44 years. He was genuinely a nice guy. He was a godly guy. I doubt he was on many platforms through the course of his lifetime. But both Sheldon and Dave had one thing in common. One thing in common. They both saw and believed at some point in their lives. And so what happens with people like that, with notoriety of at least Strobel or the anonymity of a Dave Funky or Sheldon Slagle. God brings the extraordinary, the supernatural, into the ordinary. And he transforms how those fellas approach life, but more importantly, he transformed how those guys approach death. And they approach death heroically with hope, with the belief that it wasn't the end of their life here. For 2,000 years, people have been seeing and believing in a variety of ways. And the stories from that first Easter morning to this very morning are people struggling to believe. They're astonished, bewildered, or even cynical. But then over time, in that moment or in that season, becomes the reality of the resurrection and seeing is believing. I'm telling you, the resurrection of Jesus offers us an extraordinary approach to life 
and an extraordinary approach to death. And the question that arises each Easter as we come back here to the empty tomb is do we see and believe? Do we still see and believe? For some of you this morning, that's a step you haven't taken yet. And trust me, God's done the heavy lifting in this story. He sent his son to die for you, to come back to life for you, so that all you have to do is invite him in to be the Lord and Savior of your life. And you get a reboot with God. He'll forgive us of the past, forgive us of the guilt of our sins, and bring the extraordinary into our ordinary. You know, for those of us that drift in our faith, and uh, it happens to all of us, it's coming back here in this moment to this empty tomb that reminds us why we took the step to see and believe in the first place. And if maybe some of us need to recalibrate that walk, why not here? Why not now? To see and believe. Here's the postscript to the story. If you already believe in Jesus, there's one singular challenge in the passage that Tiffany read for us this morning. The challenge is mentioned twice. It's what the angel at the tomb challenges the women to do, and secondly, it's what Jesus calls his disciples to do. In both instances, the disciples are given a quick, terse command. Go tell. Go tell. Um, Jesus has a conjunction. Go and tell to his disciples. But you get the point. The challenge still holds true 2,000 years later. If seeing is believing for you, and you may go tell the story to someone who's cynical, who has doubts, that's okay. They're in good company too. But when God does his work and the Spirit draws us to himself, at some point that person, as a result of your sharing why you are the way you are, might come to the same point of seeing and believing. Tell someone you know. Tell someone you work with. Tell someone you go to school with. Tell your neighbor after you've killed a pet. Tell your extended family members. Tell somebody, tell anybody. Jesus has risen. 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 Tell them, I've seen it and I believe it. And from the first century to this very moment, followers of Jesus have shared this greeting. On this day, he is risen. risen Holy guacamole. (laughs) Let's pray. Father, even in this moment, I pray that your spirit might nudge someone into crossing that line and say, Even though in figurative terms I've gone back 2,000 years, I see and I believe. And Father, for some of us that have drifted in our faith, and maybe it takes this journey back to this moment, God, fill us with the passion we had once for the story, for the person, for the lifestyle of a follower of Jesus. And Lord, for those of us that are grieving, family members, close friends that have passed, Father, allow us to focus on what this day is all about. An empty tomb, a resurrection, 
and the hope and the promise of eternity. Lord, we praise you, we thank you beyond words for bringing us back here to see and believe again. We ask this, we come to you in Jesus' name, amen.